0: Have a seat and howdy Howdy. welcome. Yeah, welcome. My name is Kevin bear. I'm the college pastor here at our Southwood campus and I am so glad you have joined us this morning and uh, let's give the Lord a hand. Worship was absolutely amazing. Thank you guys. Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, this morning we are looking at, we have transitioned from uh, wisdom in general in our series to looking at uh, Friendships, Have to have wise friendships. And this week you have come at the right time because we are going to start talking about not just the platonic relationships in your life, but we're going to talk about uh, the intimate relationships of your life. What it might look like to date and find someone worth dating. And that's what we're going to look at the next two weeks. We're going to look at today, men. So gentlemen, buckle up. Because this will be interesting for you to look at. And, uh, and, and ladies, get ready. Because so much is going to make sense. Like every decision you made in high school is going to make sense. When you read these verses from Proverbs that we're going to look at, you're going to be like, oh, why didn't I just read Proverbs what, as a 16-year-old? I would have not made so many mistakes. Amen. Good news. You don't have to continue to make those mistakes because we have... Proverbs. Proverbs is wisdom. And so if you haven't uh, joined with us through the series yet, we encourage you to download our app on YouVersion. uh, There are devotionals that you can go through as part of your personal uh, growth and, and looking through these issues. But today we are going to look at men what it looks like to be the best kind of man you want to be, not only just um, in the world, but actually biblically. What is biblical manhood? What is biblical masculinity? And so we want men to be the best kind of men in this world. But not only that, ladies, we want you to find and look for the best kind of men to potentially date and potentially marry. And I start with saying date and marry. I don't, I don't know, Kevin. Maybe, maybe some of you are going like, I'm not sure if I'm going to date, and I'm not sure if I'm going to marry. I'm kind of anti those things. Well, the statistics of your generation are out. Over 90% of you believe you are going to get married. Over 90% of Generation Z says, I'm going to get married. And and what's challenging is the way that you go about it nowadays. What's interesting is that we've seen that um, online dating has increased. So over 40% of people are looking for the one, but a lot of them are doing it online. Um, There are 40 million Americans using online dating websites. And that's a lot of people. So there's a lot of people going, I want to find love. How do I do that? I'm going to go online in which to do it. 53% of people lie on their dating profile, by the way. Um, So just know, just about one out of two, maybe a little bit more than that, you can guarantee that they're lying. So as soon as you read their profile, like, I wonder if they have common interests. They're lying. At least one out of two of them are lying to you. Uh, 20% of women surveyed by global research agencies uh, admitted to using older photos when they were younger and thinner. Uh, More than 40% of men said that they lied about their jobs in an effort to sound more successful. Ladies, you lie about how you look. Men, you lie about how much you make. And so we we are liars out there in the dating world. Um, And here's what's fascinating. 20% of people, 20% of current committed relationships began online. 20%. While well, your best chances of finding love is through, actually through uh, a friend, which sixty-three percent of married couples say they have met their partner, and still only have seventy uh, percent chance that you like me. Okay, this is interesting. Only nine percent of women report finding a relationship at a bar, and only two percent of men made a relationship through that scenario. So, ladies, you're more likely to find a date at a bar and meaningful relationship. Guys, you're not going looking for a meaningful relationship. So, let, let, let that sink in for a moment. Uh, your best shot of finding a relationship, according to uh, E-harmony is to actually go through a friend. And here's what's challenging. Here's what's challenging. We are in a world where we're trying to find meaningful relationships. But we may have removed ourselves ourselves from really understanding and growing in how to meet the right kind of person. Because I look, as we look at dating profiles, although they, they look good and curated, they may not be accurate. of relationships actually begin online, but the question then becomes, okay, well, what do I do? And you're you're facing challenges because many of you want to get married, and there's two barriers in wanting to get married. The first is this. The the average marrying age has elongated. So it's average of 27 for women and 29 for men. And so it's, it's longer that people are waiting to make the decision to actually become married, but not only that, the culture of dating has shifted, and you've probably experienced this. One philosophy professor, Karen Cronin, Uh, gained prominence after offering her students extra credit for going on dates. Um, She cautions the statistics that may get uh, the older people get, the less likely they are to know how to date. Here's what they said. Uh, Because they ended up with this culture without a lot of dating coaching and no dating scripts, no dating culture, and they're scrambling behind the scenes trying to figure out how to date. And so this professor said, I'm going to help. You'll get extra credit if you just ask someone out, which I thought was hilarious that professors would ever want to intervene in that part of their students' lives, but they're seeing challenges that your generation is facing. But not only in in, in how to build a relationship, there's confusion there. It's longer that we're starting meaningful uh, marriage relationships, but there's another portion of it, another problem that I see. And that's a misunderstanding of what it means to be a man. There's a misunderstanding of what godly biblical masculinity should look like. So there's a story in the Atlantic, and they did a study on men. And the title of the story is this, The Miseducation of the American Boy. And it says this, The definition of masculinity seems to be, in some respects, contracting. When asked what traits society values most in boys, only 2% of male respondents in this survey said honesty, morality, and only 8% said leadership skills um, and traits that are admirable, such as, um, oh gosh, uh, traits that were admirable, such as um, being honest, being leaders, being moral, all of those things weren't even in the list. And so this interviewer then asked one student, um, when I asked them at Washington State University, they said, what do you like about being a man? And one college sophomore, a guy named Josh, said, that's interesting. I never really thought about it. You hear a lot more about what's going wrong with guys. And what's fascinating in our culture is we're looking to, to grow, to be mature men and women. It becomes very, very difficult to know what kind of man... Should I be? And as a woman, what kind of man should I look for? And there's a lot of confusion in our culture. There's a lot of ideas and a lot of inputs and and a lot of options and a lot of swiping. We're trying to figure out how do I develop a meaningful relationship? But the challenge is with all that's wrong and all that's been pointed out that are problems with men and those are valid and those are real. There's been a lot of problems that men have created. The question then becomes, okay, we've identified what's wrong. But we haven't really done a lot of good work on identifying what should be there in godly men. And what's fascinating is you read Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, looks directly at his son and says, son, I want to show you what it looks like to be a godly man. And daughters, as you see how I'm instructing this boy to be you get insight in what you should look for for a godly man. And so this morning, I'm going to give you three types of men. There's three types of men I want to point to in, uh, that, are, that are really highlighted in Proverbs. The first one is called the naive, or the simple-minded. The second one is called the fool, or the sluggard. And the third one is the wise, the wise man. So we have the naive, the fool, and the wise. And in each one of these people, what I'm going to give you is a description. Here's how Proverbs uh, classifies that person. There's behaviors. This is what you can look for in that person's life to see what category they are currently in, and it's trajectory. If they continue in this path, this is where their life is going to end. And here's what's beautiful in Proverbs. These are identifiers, not Identities. These are identifiers of of how these people are behaving. They're not identities that will define them the rest of their life. And what you're going to see in Proverbs is there's a call to go toward wisdom. You don't have to be naive. You don't have to live as a fool. You can live as a wise man. And ladies, you don't have to live with a naive fool. You can live with a wise man, but you have to make wise decisions. Men, you don't have to be naive or foolish. You can be wise, but you've got to commit yourself to grow to become that type of man. So men, if you find yourself naive or fool, there's going to be some categories that I warn all the ladies against uh, dating you. Um, and ladies, um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to really think deeply about the types of men that are in your life. So we're going to jump off first with the naive. The naive, basically, a simple definition is this. One without knowledge, simple-minded, or inexperienced. A naive person doesn't really know what's going on. They're inexperienced. They, they're not, they haven't thought it through. So here's some proverbs that describe the naive person. Here's some of his behaviors. The first is this, that um, a naive person is identifiable. Solomon sees him. He says in Proverbs 7, I said, I've said, i seen among the people, a, I have perceived among the youths, a man lacking sense. That's a great description. I've looked among the men that are around me. And here's what Solomon says. There are some out there that just lack sense, meaning they're gullible. They're easily deceived. They don't know what's ahead of them. He is young and inexperienced. That's the problem with the naive person. They don't know how life is supposed to look. And they're identifiable. They don't know the problems they're about to encounter with the decisions they make. And so I saw recently um, a guy, I think it was someone here, and no offense, uh, that showed me this, where they were having a bottle rocket fight with one another over uh, Christmas break. And I'm like, that's naivety, like, verbatim. Like, what's gonna happen when I shoot a bottle rocket at this person? I don't know, I hope it goes well, right? Like, that's naive. Have you ever heard of someone blowing up a hand or blowing up a person with a bottle rocket? I don't think so, but we'll see what happens. Okay, that's naive. They just don't know the consequences of their behavior because, secondly, um, they're ignorant, they're ignorant. They don't know the consequences of their actions. Proverbs 14:15 says, "This is simple. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go in and suffer for it. A' um, classic example of this. I saw some guys graduate high school, go to college here, and uh, some people pulled them into a basically a pyramid scheme of which they would sell these different vacation plans for people. And I'm looking at these guys going, "This is not wise. And you're trying to sell me on this. I'm not going to buy from you. This is not a wise decision to be in this pyramid scheme. And they're just like, I, but we were told we can make a, make a lot of money. And look at the lifestyle we can have. And I'm like, yeah, you're, 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 you're gullible. You're foolish. You're naive. This isn't going to end well. They're ignorant. And because they're ignorant, they're deceived. They're deceived. They buy into lies. They don't think through their steps. They're just like, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it. And, And what ends up happening is they become deceived. And so there's people that will literally call out to this. In Proverbs 9, it depicts the woman of folly. The woman who leads you into foolish decisions, and she says this, she calls out into the street, and she's personified as someone who's calling out into the street saying, whoever is simple, let him turn in here, and who lacks sense, she says, come on in here. But the prudent sees danger and hides himself. But there's people out there that look for simple-minded men because they can convince them to buy their product or do their service or spend their money, and they will become deceived. They are easy prey to get picked off. And what's the trajectory? What's the end result of a naive person? The simple inherit folly, but the prudent do not. The prudent are crowned with knowledge. The simple inherit folly. What's an inheritance? It's what you receive at the end of your life. And so here's the problem with the naive person. They don't know the consequences of their actions. They don't know that living as naive, it will cause problems in the future. And what's the result? The result of their life is eventually they will become a fool. A naive guy can sound cute for a little while, but eventually he will become a fool, what we're going to look at next. And so I want to give you some questions to think about, gentlemen. Gentlemen. To figure out, am I actually naive in my life? And so here's some, here's some questions you can ask yourself. Do I constantly find myself in the wrong place with the wrong people? Do I constantly find myself in the wrong place with the wrong people? But they're my friends, yeah. But are they constantly leading you in the wrong direction? Secondly, do I have any goals beyond tomorrow? Have I thought about my future? Am I planning ahead? Thirdly, Do you think about how decisions today affect what opportunities are available tomorrow? Do you realize that your decisions today actually can have a positive or negative effect on your future tomorrow? Do you think through that? And ladies, here's questions I would encourage you to ask yourself. Am I constantly making excuses for this person for why they messed up? I'm dating this guy, and my friends kind of bring up, hey, did you know that he like, did that again? And you're like, yeah, yeah, but you don't, you, know, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. Are you constantly making excuses for this person's naive decisions? Do they have plans after graduation? Have they thought about it? Number three, are they complacent with the status quo and not looking to grow? That's the big one. Are they complacent with the status quo and not looking to grow? Do you have to pull this guy to church? Do you have to encourage, do you have to fill out applications for jobs? Do you have to push this guy? Let me tell you what, he is naive, he is complacent. And I'll tell you what, run, ladies. Run. So the first character is the naive. The second character is the fool. The fool. The fool. And let me just just give you a little insight on the fool. I I will say some of the harshest language in Proverbs is directed at this person. The fool is assured of his ultimate destruction. Life is not going to go well for this person who continues to make bad decisions because, here's the key, he has a rebellious attitude. At his root, he has rejected every input around him. He is rebellious. He is your classic bad boy, right? Smoking cool cigarettes, like ginger. Like just like that classic bad boy. And here's what it says in Proverbs. He's the fool. And here's what he does. Let's look at his behavior. Here's the big summary. He rejects everything. He rejects everything. Psalm 14 To the choir master of David. So literally, this is a a psalm um, that David wrote. So Solomon's father wrote. He says this, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They are abominable in deeds. There is none who does good. The first problem with the fool is this. They ultimately reject God. And that's a symbol of an entire rejection. Not only they they reject the authority of God, that will uh, descend into a lot of other rejection in their life. They don't want to be under anyone's authority. So secondly, not only do they reject God, secondly, they reject counsel. Proverbs 10, 8, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. 18.2, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his mind. Do you know the guy who you say, hey, you know what you ought to do? You ought to like go to class. That would help you to not fail class. And you're like, whatever, notes are online, I don't need to go. And you're like, that is foolish. You know, you're just like trying to reason with that guy. But not only that, he's like, hey, you should go to some of these uh, career fairs. You should go to your academic advisor. You should go to church. You should get in a Bible study. And you're just like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they just continually reject counsel. They continually reject counsel from wise people. But not only do they reject counsel, they refuse to accept correction. They will not be corrected by anyone. A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Here's a question, ladies, I would ask you in looking at all sorts of men. How do they respond to their parents? What's his relationship with his mom? What's his relationship with his dad? I'm not saying his parents were perfect people, but has he, does he listen to them? Is he willing to receive um, authority speaking into his life? Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. That's a beautiful imagery. If someone has understanding, that means they're going to receive the rebuke from friends and from family. They're going to receive that. But a fool will not listen. It's like beating your head against a brick wall. It will not go through. Proverbs 27.22, Though you pound a fool in a mortar and pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. I love the imagery he's talking about. um, Making uh, like you do it in science, right? You got a mortar and pestle, pestle, and you're kind of like making your little science things. Chemistry people, I don't know who you are, but you you do stuff with it. And he's saying, you try. To correct. You try to change this person, but they refuse. They are so hard-hearted. You pound him with wisdom, but he will not receive it. Additionally, fools fight. They pick fights with people around them. They bow up and show that that negative masculinity. Saying doing wickedness is like sport to a fool, and so is wisdom to a man of understanding. Meaning, he will do what's wrong just because it's fun. 29.11, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Is he constantly showing bravado? Is he constantly picking fights? Is he constantly in tension with guys or girls or people around him? He literally might be a fool creating this chaos around him that, that you're inviting yourself into. But not only does he fight, he hurts his family relationships. And this is key. If you want to date a guy and marry a guy and he doesn't have good relationship with his family, I'll tell you what, eventually his negative energies there will be turned on you. And it will be turned on you to a detriment. And so you look at his relationships, you look at those people closest to him and it says, he says it this way, he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind and the foolish will be the servant of the wise hearted. Eventually everyone's going to abandon him. If he troubles his own house, his own family, eventually they're going to want nothing to do with him. Proverbs seventeen twenty five: A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. When they, when they refuse counsel, when they just live their own hard-hearted way, eventually the people closest to them will want nothing to do with them. And that's tragic. That's a tragic life to live. And what's the trajectory? What's the end of a fool's life? Here's what it says in Proverbs. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and blows for the backs of fools. I just love Proverbs honesty. You know what you do with a fool? You, you, you try to beat them. But we've already seen that beating doesn't work. I know. You just beat them. And, and that's, that's very, very tragic. And what's, what's the point? Is he literally saying you beat people? No. He's saying they will suffer the consequences of their actions they're going to suffer deeply for these life decisions. A whip is for the horse and a bridle for the donkey and the rod for the back of fools. What he basically says is, look, you're going to try your best, but what's going to happen is life is going to deal with them punishments and it's going to go poorly in their life. So gentlemen, here's my questions for you. I didn't put them up. I'm so sorry. Here's my questions for you. Write them down. Do I receive advice from people older than me or do I assume that I'm always doing the right thing? Are my friends wise and making good decisions or am I constantly covering their tracks? Thirdly, am I a fool if, what do my relationships with my parents look like? Are we constantly fighting and disagreeing and am I refusing to receive any of their instruction? Am I a fool? And ladies, here's questions for you to ask. Is he the bad guy, always rejecting, rejecting advice, or does he often say things like, they can't tell me what to do? Number two, do I have to defend him to my parents or friends frequently, like f- with phrases like, hey, he's different when he's with me? What that means is he's putting on a facade with you. Number three, Does he frequently find himself in fights and frustrating circumstances with school, with authorities? Is he a fool? And if you're constantly having to cover up the naive or the fool, eventually, ladies, it will turn bad on you. And this is why it's so important. This is where online dating isn't enough in order to find meaningful relationships. Because as you've seen in these Proverbs, you've got to look at how they interact with other people. You've got to see how they interact with their friends, with your friends, with their family. And here's why I always tell people, you don't date people, you date families. And so that relationship with their family affects you. The relationship with their friends affects you. And so you can't just see they look good on the screen or they look good when they're just with me. Because you don't know the full orb of their character. And this is what Proverbs is asking you to look at. Look at the full orb of the character of this individual. And then he says, and I, and try to be wise. And the call of wisdom is to the simple and to the fool to learn prudence and learn sense. Come out of these behaviors because they're identifiers, they're not identities. You can grow past them. He says, so here's what it looks like to be wise. Here's what a wise person looks like. Apparently, I skipped. Okay, okay, here's what a wise person looks like. The wise person is humble. He learns and he submits his life to God. He is humble. He learns and he submits his life to God. And so here's what you have to look for in a wise person. Here's what men do. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Look at his relationship with God. Is he actually walking with God? Does he love the Lord? And here's why that's so important. Not only so they'll be running in the same direction together, but secondly, you know that he is submitting his life to a higher authority. It will impact his decisions if he actually sees himself under a higher authority. Secondly, watch their work. (laughs) Proverbs 6.6, this is one of my favorite Proverbs. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Does he work hard? Is he working hard at his job or at school or wherever he is? Is he working hard? He doesn't have to go to college, but is he willing to work hard? Proverbs 10.5, he who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. He says, look, are they sleeping through the most important decisions of their lives? Harvest was a time where they, they set themselves up for the future. Is he sleeping through? Is he ignoring parts of his life that he's not wise? A wise person plans for the future and takes advantage of opportunities? So watch their work. Secondly, watch their words. Proverbs 15:7: "The lips of the wise spread knowledge. But the heart of fools is not so. 16:21: "The wise in heart will be called understanding." and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. He says, look at their words. When you listen to what they say, you like, there's great insight there. There's great wisdom there. He is thoughtful in the words that he chooses. Or does he, does he not? Fourthly, what's your self-control? Are they able to control themselves or do they constantly um, fly off the handle? 19 says, "When there are many words, transgressions is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips will be wise. Some, sometimes there's a challenge against men to say, "Why don't you talk more?" And I'll tell you, men, one of the best lessons you learn in life is when to close your mouth. Because not everyone needs to know everything that you're thinking all the time. A wise man chooses his words appropriately and wisely. Are they self-controlled personally in their relationships? A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Isn't that interesting? Because one of the images of, of men that, that is typical out there, and I've read this across, is a man who, who holds his own, who is strong, and who loses his temper and will not back down. And that is the, the picture of a man in our modern culture. But, but historically, even in Proverbs, it is not wise to fly off the handle. It is not wise to lose your temper. It's actually wise to control, to hold it back. To be ones that have control over their emotions in a healthy way. Not in a stuff it way, but in a healthy way. Proverbs twelve sixteen: A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. Do they let everyone know everything that's going wrong? Or are they able to control themselves? Fifthly, do they listen? A wise man will hear an increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. When he is approaching a decision, is he willing to ask men and women older than him to speak into his life and receive their instruction? Does he listen? Does he listen to you? When you give him counsel or advice, does he take what you say seriously? Men, do you do that? Do you listen to wise counsel? Verse fifteen thirty one: He who whose ear listens to life giving reproof will dwell with the wise. Does he listen? Not only does he learn? Proverbs 9, nine: give instruction to a wise man and he will still get wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase learning. Incline your ear to the words and apply your mind to knowledge. Does he learn from those mistakes and problems? And here's what's key on this. I'm not saying the guy has to make no mistakes. What I'm saying is, is the man willing to listen and to learn from his mistakes. You're never going to date a perfect person who never fails, but you are going to date people that refuse to learn from the mistakes of their past. And what Proverbs is saying, he's not going to be perfect, but is he willing to listen? Is he willing to learn? And what's the result? What's the end result of the wise? He scales the city of the mighty and brings down the strong souls of which they trust. A wise man is strong, And a man of knowledge increases power. I love this closing imagery. I think this is so important because of this simple reason. There is a difference between masculinity and femininity. And men, wisdom is strength. It is incredibly attractive to see a man who is confident enough to listen. Confident enough to learn. Has godly restraint who is encouraging to those people around him, who loves his family well. Let me tell you what, that man is extremely attractive because that woman knows she is safe with that man. That man will take care of her and not hurt her. That is incredibly attractive. That is biblical masculinity. It is a decision of strength to restrain your words. It is a decision of strength to not always fight. It is a decision of strength to be one, to listen to counsel, and submit their lives to God. Because there's one man in history who lived this out perfectly. The rest of us are just growing. And that's Jesus Christ. You know what said of Jesus? Like a sheep before his shearers, he said nothing. To the men who are about to kill him, he remain silent in strength when the guards came to take Jesus captive to to be killed when you read in the gospels as they're going up to Jesus what happens is they say is Jesus here and he goes it is I and it says they fall on their face meaning under his authority and presence they were terrified and then they got back up that was weird they're like are you Jesus and he's like it's I and they fall again you see a man of tremendous strength, but you also see a man of tremendous tenderness. He has a conversation with the woman at the well that was full of grace and truth. He goes to Lazarus, a friend of his, and when he talks to, to Martha, she says, If you were here, he would have lived. And it says, Jesus wept. He was very in touch with his, with his emotions. He got angry and didn't sin. And then he died in perfect obedience to his heavenly Father, knowing that if I give my life for his glory and his good, millions will have a relationship with Jesus, with my Father, through the work of Jesus Christ. The perfect picture, men, that we have. Of biblical masculinity is the person of Jesus Christ. And he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, men, as you look at these lists, my encouragement to you is not to figure out how you can will yourself to be a better man, but actually bow your knee to the man who will change your heart from the inside out. That you study his life, you study the way he interacts with women. You study the way he interacts with friends. You study the way he cared for his mom even at the end of his life. He looks at John and says, care for my mom. He's the perfect picture of a man. When you come to him, he'll change you from the inside out. And ladies, you look for a man who's got that type of dedication. And you don't make excuses and you don't defend and you don't look for perfect men but you look for men that are pursuing that king. And as he pursues that king, that king will begin changing his heart. And as God changes his heart, God potentially will unite your hearts. That's the type of man I want to be. That's the type of man you should want to marry. We pray for you. Lord, thank you that you have called us to a godly masculinity. (laughs) That we would be men that model the attributes you call us to in Proverbs. And Lord, I, I know that some of us in this room, we have not had godly men call us to godly standards. We actually don't even know what the godly standards are. I pray that we would take a cue from Solomon speaking to his sons that we would be men that model what it looks like to be the best type of man. And Lord, I know that many of us um, have not had the picture of a godly man in our lives. And so Lord, I pray um, that you help us to better look at you, Jesus Christ, as a beautiful picture of a godly man. And Lord, that you forgive us of every mistake that we've made. And God, you will empower us to live the life you've called us to live. And Lord, I pray for the women here. I pray that they would not um, settle uh, for men that are under what you would call them to, to unite themselves with. And Lord, if they are in relationships where um, they find themselves with men that are not the quality that you would desire, I pray that uh, you would help bring wise counsel around them so they can make wise decisions about the future of that relationship. For all of us, Lord, I pray that we bow our knee to you, Jesus, and that you guide our lives. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.